What's up, it's Chase Young. What's up, this is Terry McLaurin. This is Carson Wentz, and you're listening to Washington Football Talk Podcast. Commanders getting set to host the Tennessee Titans. They've won two in a row. Washington's dropped three in a row. You could argue about the vernacular if it's a must win or not, but they really, really, really cannot lose this game. Drop to one and four. Things are ugly. This is a podcast. What Makes You Smile is brought to you by Dominion National. For anyone that needs dental and vision benefits, I have a one-stop shop for you. TeethKeeperSave.com TeethKeeperSave.com offers dental and vision benefits for everyone with plans starting under $7 a month. Don't have benefits through your employer? Are you self-employed and need dental and vision benefits? TeethKeeperSave.com has various plans for individuals to choose from. Visit TeethKeeperSave.com today and enroll in minutes. What up, everybody? It's J.P. Finley. It's the Washington Football Talk podcast. The commanders really need a win. There's a lot of reasons to question if they'll be able to get it, but maybe there's some good good parts, too. The headliner, certainly the return of rookie running back Brian Robinson, who we all sure seems like might actually play this week. If not, it's just a great story that he's back in practice. As always, we're brought to you by Oarsman Automotive of Virginia. We ride with them, want you to do the exact same thing. Quick story about the people at Oarsman Automotive of Virginia. So my truck needs service, and I called my guy Jaime to schedule a service. And he said, no problem, got me set up. And then because my life is hectic, I had to call him back and be like, listen, man, I got 16,000 miles on this thing. Do I really need the service right now or can I wait a little bit and come in maybe next week? He's like, man, don't worry about it. Next week is fine. So I just love when people are honest, even when it's like a situation where they make money and they're still honest with you. Those are the kind of people I want to work with. Those are the people I would suggest you work with at Forsman Automotive of Virginia. All right, uh, let's get to the boys here pete and mitch are here uh we appreciate mitch making time on a, on an important day for he and his family um we'll start with brian robinson it's a great story he's really excited the teammates are really excited you know i don't think you can undersell maybe the the lift this could have for the football team on an emotional side i don't know you know directly the correlation of that on sunday but like it's okay to just enjoy something cool go ahead boys yeah, I mean, when he walked in to do his presser at the podium, you almost wanted to, like, stand up and give him a round of applause. And we don't do that as media members, but it felt like it would have been appropriate. It's just the the rapidity with which he's dealt with being in a hospital bed five weeks ago to sitting at the podium after a football practice and entertaining the idea of playing in a football game. So he called himself the king of adversity. I have no interest in refuting that statement, and he just is really – down-to-earth, focused, humble guy, and I'm rooting hard as hell for him. Yeah, I mean, you think about how big uh, a player's first game in the NFL is, and you couple that with everything that Brian Robinson has been through. And whether it's this Sunday or Thursday in Chicago or whenever he actually steps on the field to play, I mean, it's got to be uh, a really emotional, huge moment for him. And he's handled everything – so well, you know, through training camp and, you know, I think even just, you know, the, being around the team as he was rehabbing all those different things, it's, it's so impressive. And I think he's going to be, uh, I think he will be a lift for this team, both emotionally. And I think on the football field, cause I think he does some things that, uh, that, that the rest of the, that the other running backs uh, don't necessarily excel at. So 
when we see him out there, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be uh, be be pretty exciting. Uh, we all think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play. I think he's going to play. Um, yeah, I mean, Ron said they have to be worried about his conditioning and see how he does coming in tomorrow after the workload today. He had an ice pack on his knee in the locker room, but going through all those drills, he was doing them at the same speed as all the other running backs, and he's been slowly working back from stationary bike to agility stuff to ladders and now catching passes pregame. So I think they've done a good job of increasing the workload, and I would imagine he's out there on Sunday. And even that ice pack didn't look like – like when they wrap it in ice, like there's a big difference between like slapping the plastic bag on there and then like a wrap. And it was just slapping yeah. a plastic bag. Like it didn't even like, like weirdly we've seen enough ice packs on legs. That was just like a, it might hurt a little dude. Here's some ice. Right. And JP knows a lot about slap, slapping the bag too. guess that didn't land with anybody. All right. Mitch, well go ahead. I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think he's going to play. I think that they're going to be slow to work him back. They're not going to give him a full compliment right away, but, Certainly, I think you'll see him. You'll see him in there, particularly on some of those short yardage plays uh, when they have an opportunity to kind of kind of bust it through the between the tackles up the middle. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll it'll. I think we'll we'll see him out there on Sunday. I do too, man. I think it's gonna be. I like. I look forward to however many damn people are at FedEx on Sunday cheering for Robinson when he gets out there. I think hey, that'll be uh, a really special moment. For the Eagles game, they introduced the defense. This week, they should do the offense. And even if Robinson's not starting, they should have him come out of the tunnel last. I think that'd be a pretty sick moment. So maybe they'll they'll do that as a fun pregame excitement event. Yeah, I think that might put a little too much pressure. I don't know. I, it would be – I think you're right. One, I think it probably is always a late-arriving crowd, especially now that we're week five and they're one and three. I just – I don't. I, my, my only concern here is that there becomes like too much pressure on him or on them to like force him the ball. And like in my head, that would certainly be a cool moment. But in my head, I'm just thinking when he comes in or whatever to take that sure. first carry or gets the first carry. I just, this is also a rookie third rounder that isn't in football shape, hasn't been hit. You know, like he looks great. I, I just, I do worry a little about whether it's real or perceived like some notion as he's going to come in and fix everything. And maybe this can segue into what we need to talk about because like he's going to be running behind a right side of an offensive line that is completely broken. You, you're now Cosby's out. You're going to have Cornelius Lucas, who's a capable backup, but he's also a backup. I mean, hell Cornelius Lucas at the end of the season told us he wanted to sign somewhere that would treat him like a starter and pay him like a starter. And he ended up signing back here. So, like, that kind of tells you what the marketplace thinks of Lucas. Um, Sadiq Charles, who, when they drafted him, was supposed to replace Trent Williams and is now a backup right guard. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Larson. I think it'll be Nick Martin again. I don't know. Norwell hasn't been very good. Like, I just – I don't want to set some stage for this dude and then he has three carries for nine yards and people are, like, disappointed. I don't think that'll be the case. I think he has a ton of talent, but I, I'm just trying to temper – how it gets on you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean I think this is the definition of a patchwork offensive line that uh that he's going to be running behind and that Carson's going to be thrown behind and it's uh it's certainly worrisome because they were able to run the ball relatively well against the Cowboys where they got you know they had three dudes run for 40 plus yards and you hope they're able to kind of continue that that success certainly seems sounds like and seems like 
that's what the offensive plan is going to be to try and, you know, shove the run down the, down the Titans throats and, and make them eat it to hopefully loosen things up for, for Carson in the passing game. But if you're going out there expecting that Brian Robinson's going to run for, you know, 75 yards and score a touchdown and break a big play. The fact that he's just out on the field is, is a huge first step and it's going to take him a little time to, to be back in full on, uh, full on football shape and, and be ready to be hit. Yeah. I mean, what's concerning is that they did establish the run in Dallas and they had the guys ripping off long ones and it didn't make a lick of difference in the game flow or when it came time to pass, the Cowboys were still just content to sit on all these shorter routes. They weren't scared of play action. And the only thing the offense could really do is throw a bunch of screens out wide or chuck it deep. There's no, this intermediate areas were just completely untouched. So like, I'm, I'm really happy that Scott Turner, the running backs found more success in Dallas, despite some changes on the O-line and hopefully they can replicate it. But that's only half the battle because if you're still just running it for five or six yards of pop, and then you drop back and you're throwing into a brick wall, this offense is still going to struggle to score more than 10 points. So let's talk about the offensive struggles. Um, I, I hate this perhaps is oversimplification, but like, we made a big deal about Carson going against Philly, and obviously that was a major storyline. Carson went 0-2 last year against the Titans, and one game was, like, worse than the next. He, the first game was a week three loss, 19-37. Uh, so he completed 51% of his passes for a buck 94 and was sacked twice. No turnovers, no touchdowns. But I'm pretty sure, and maybe one of you guys can confirm this, it was week eight. I think that was the left-handed end zone interception. I, maybe I have that confused. I, I know he threw a bad one in the Raiders game too, but in a week eight loss to Tennessee, they, they were able to score a little bit more, but they, he still completed 53% of his passes for only 230 yards with three touchdowns against two picks. And he was took one sack in that game. I just, I don't know, man. Like when we were talking about the Eagles game, we talked about Fletcher Cox a ton. I think Simmons might be at this stage of his career, not body of work, but Simmons is a killer and he's an interior offensive lineman. And the big man laid out the case, which had some merit Mitchell that like, you know, because the Cowboys have that edge rush that is, is comprised of killers. Like maybe you can scheme for the edge a little bit more than you can the interior. Um, you know, Carson got asked about some specific Titans players that kind of, got the better of him, the kid, the buyer, the safety. Like, I am worried about this specific matchup for Carson. I think Vrabel is a really good coach. I think the Titans are always super physical. They need a win really bad, and, and I feel like this is a tough matchup for them. Um, they have been stopping the run with some success, and obviously that's what Tennessee wants to set up. But – uh I don't know. I don't know if you guys put much into Carson's struggles against them last year, but I, I kind of do, especially because he's struggling. Like if he was, if we were seeing the same version of him that we saw, let's be generous that we saw in Detroit and Jacksonville, it'd be like, all right, you know, new year, new him. But I, I just don't know that that's the case. And then you combine all the offensive line struggles and it's like, eesh. doing a good job stopping the run. All due respect to, Zeke and Tony Pollard and, and Miles Sanders is one thing when it's, you know, what the best running back of probably this generation uh, lining up back there, coming downhill at you. It's, it's a different ball game. I think there's a ton of pressure on John Allen and Deron Payne to absolutely dominate 
to try and slow down uh, Derrick Henry some. On the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we're four games in and we haven't seen the same five guys uh, play uh, across the line throughout an entire game. And there's been so much attrition already that you worry about if there's any more attrition. And it's hard to believe that there won't be some point that a tackle has to come out for a couple plays or a guard has to come out for a couple plays. And the level of the, the drop between, you know, Andrew Norwell to, you know, Wes Schweitzer, when, if that was going to be the case, is one thing. Wes Schweitzer to, you know, whoever, however far down the line you go, you're, you're getting real trouble here with guys who are borderline NFL players who happen to be on the roster because it just hasn't been, been built that way yet. And Sadiq had a couple nice plays last week, and you hope that he can build on that and, and be a little more consistent. I think when you look kind of at the guards, you have kind of two different sets of guards. You have Andrew Norwell, who can set and take on a heavy pass rush and, and you know, hold his spot. Sadiq does, isn't quite that strong and isn't quite good enough in, in pass blocking that way. But if you get Sadiq out in the open, he can, he can you know, mow down some, some DBs and, and clear a path and for some of those screens. And I think that's what Nick Martin does well, too, is getting out in space. But, you know, that's not a huge part of this commander's offense right now. And they're going to try – they're going to need to run the ball. I just – I don't know that I see a ton of success running the ball. And then you're, you know, back trying to – pass protect for Carson it's it's going to be uh it's going to be a difficult it's going to be a, a difficult game and they're going to have to try and muck it up and make it as sloppy as they can by the way we're recording this Wednesday afternoon this probably will be our last one of the week this is our preview episode Jahan Dotson was not a practice and Curtis Samuel was sick now hopefully Samuel can come back but you're already missing one of your top three receivers and who knows how Samuel will be maybe he's a little bit uh worn down or something so that's going to make the task harder um, so just the Titans defense itself, I don't worry about it more or less than any other opponent, but I just worry about Carson himself, the way he's playing. And JP, as you're talking there and asking about the left-handed interceptions, there's a YouTube video called all of Carson Wentz's left-handed pass attempts with the Colts. He threw four of them. And one of them was with a minute and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter against the Titans in his own end zone in a tie game and he threw it and it was intercepted and returned for about one foot for the game winning touchdown. And just knowing that that's always a possibility, not that he's done anything that crazy here, but the intentional grounding against the Cowboys, I asked him like, what was the deal with that? Why did you not throw it away? And we looked to throw that away next time. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to wait for a receiver to come clear and I should have known to get rid of it. And it's like, how do you not understand these things at this point? You've been a seven year veteran. These should be just automatic choices. So Titans defense doesn't scare me. Carson and his current, my frame sure as hell does. Yeah. And uh, we have an interview with Scott Turner. You'll hear here in a little bit. And I kind of asked Scott and I, I listen, man, Scott's not going to say anything like, Ron's in one position, but Scott's not in a position to blast any of these guys. But, like, I know from talking to people or just watching it, like, there are times where the primary read is something short and it's open and the ball doesn't go there. And I'm not convinced. Like, I think sometimes when the primary read is short, I think Carson's still looking intermediate first. And then the timing of everything gets all mangled. And – I, I just – listen, I, it, it's far too early to give up on a season. They could win these next two, and they're three and three. 
with a couple of more like they got some winnable games, but Sunday in Dallas was was damn winnable. Um, and and the flip side, like the explosives from the defense have to stop. And I don't know those are going to like I, I, the same question I asked you guys last year, uh, last week, and, and you guys don't sound nearly as optimistic. And perhaps I'm reading it wrong, so correct me. But the question, my biggest questions last week were, what will change? Carson's play, the O-line's play, stopping explosive plays, or the play calling. I, I think Scott tried to stick with the run more last week. I think situationally it got away from him like in the second half, perhaps maybe a little too early, because that was a one-score game almost the whole game. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think Wentz told us today in the, at the podium that they called a lot more screens, a lot more quick stuff. It just didn't always work. Some of that I put on the line. Some of that I put on Carson. Um, a lot of times watching that back, like if, if I, I think the tight ends by and large do a good job blocking. And I think obviously Parsons and Lawrence are really, really tough, but like, man, there were a couple like narrow little misses by tight ends where if, if you can hold up those guys like a, a second or half a second, you might be able to get some of these screens off, but regardless, I don't like the explosive plays. I think you're going to keep happening. Like they've just been happening so long. It's hard to feel particularly optimistic about something changing. Yeah. The thing I'll say about the explosive play is look, you got to look at the Titans offense a little bit now. Derrick Henry can break off a yard run whenever he wants, but you're talking about a pretty humble group up there. Especially because Burks is hurt. Right. Traylon Burks is hurt. So you got Robert Wilson, is, you know, an established receiver. The rest of the guys are kind of kind of jaggy. And then not to mention you have Ryan Tannehill tossing them the football. And I think that kind of Tannehill is who he is. And I, I, I don't want to say that he can't beat you because I think any quarterback and receiver combo in against this commander's secondary could potentially beat you. But he's not somebody on paper that should scare you a whole lot. Cooper Rush connected with Noah Brown on a 45-yarder last week. Yeah, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush kind of lit this team up. So I'm, I'm afraid of everybody. It's one thing when it's CeeDee Lamb, but we're talking about Noah Brown. I'm just waiting for Justin Fields to complete like 25 passes against this team when completing seven is a chore for him. It's only four weeks into this season, but it's two plus years into Ron's team. And Ron's team's here. They don't score early, they don't start fast, they fall behind, they give up big passing plays. They give up a ton of passing touchdowns. This year, the offensive line is in shambles. They don't force turnovers. Like Some of these things will hopefully just return to the mean, the median for some dumb luck. Like Turnovers are typically something that just come in bunches, and hopefully Montez Sweat gets a couple sacks here. But some of the other things are just flaws that are not being fixed or addressed or, or coached out of this team properly, such as starting fast and getting leads and, and those types of things. So, no, I think the big plays will happen from now until the end of eternity. I think this team will find a way to fall down 10-3 at, at best, 14-0, 26-0 at worst. And a few of these other critical issues will always be present for as long as we live. Well, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the game second. Well, I think the only thing I would say is I, I think the flaws sadly are fatal, but I think it's more in roster construction. Like, I, I'm just to the point where 
you've assembled something that's broken rather than what you're trying to make the broken pieces be is wrong. Like, like if you give me a box of broken camera equipment, I can't make a camera, even if it's Mitch with his flawless technology trying to put it together. All right, currently, and again, this is Wednesday at 423, so these numbers may change a bit, but the Commanders are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. The over-under is 42.5, and they're plus 120 on the money line. Let's start with 100 chips first this week, and Mitch, I'm going to give you the honor of kicking us off. I hope you know what you like. I do, and I like that you said kicking off. A lot of the things you said about how Ron and this uh, team start slow, three straight games, they scored less, fewer than uh, – they gained fewer than 30 yards a pop. The Titans are four for four on scoring on their opening drives uh, of, the, of the game. And right now I see the Titans at minus one, plus 135 for the first quarter. So I think that that's going to be a trend that's going to continue. This uh, commander's team just can't play – doesn't play well in the first half, first quarter of games. And – the Titans do. So I'll do all 100 chips on uh, Titans first quarter minus one. I mean, it, it seems like a very easy, very logical play. And we slept on it for the first month. I'm glad that you're jumping on it here now. JP, where you at, pal? I hate it. Um, I don't think it's going to come to fruition. But at some point, you got to just believe in what you believe. And everybody thinks the Titans are going to win. And the commanders are getting points at home. And I don't think Ryan Tannehill is very good. So what the hell? Give me the points at home. I don't feel great about anything. I've done any of my prop research yet. But I'll just go quick and I'll say, I'll take, you know what? I'll take what I took in our gambling video with Mitch. I'm taking the Titans to have the longest field goal of the two teams. That's minus 110. It's a straight up play. Joey Sly just kicked his first field goal last week. Titans have Randy Bullock. The commanders never kick. But even if they do, I like Randy Bullock to outkick Joey Sly and finish with the longest three-pointer of the afternoon. You are deep down the rabbit hole, man. <laughs> I was wondering right. how you were going to talk about that one, JP. Um, okay, so now we'll do over-unders. The numbers that we use for the app that we have are not posted yet, but we can do the roller coaster index for Carson. Do we want to drop it down to three, a flat, even three? Okay. Um, I'll go under, which is, it's a small window considering how volatile he is, but without Dotson, that's his top touchdown, man. They're having trouble getting Terry involved, which is just so effing annoying. And hopefully there aren't too many interception opportunities or any left-handed throws. So I'll say one touchdown, one turnover that stays under the roller coaster index number of trace. I'll go over. I mean, setting it at three, I think, is probably setting up for a push. But uh, it's getting harder and harder not to count on two turnovers. So, like, if you're counting on two turnovers, yeah, like, it's starting to be, like, home field's three points. Like, you got to count on two turnovers. So, (laughs) I'm just – I'll go over. I'm with JP. I'll go over. I think you're right. You got to count on two turnovers. I think they'll score hopefully one touchdown and, and uh, it'll at least get to three. Um, go from there. We've done Antonio Gibson rushing yards, but do we maybe do some Brian Robinson over under carries? I like that. 
I think we could do Brian Robinson carries and Terry McLaurin catches. Sold. What's a good Robinson number? Like four and a half, five and a half. Let's just make it. I kind of think we. I think five's too low. I think we make it. Robinson or Gibson? Gibson kind of got benched last week, dude. Like, like this was already happening. All right, I'll do Rob. Let's. I'll. I'll take Robinson. I think he gets more carries than Gibson. I will too. I'll take Gibson and just continue to ride this Gibson train to nowhere. <laughs> choo choo. You know, like in the Wild West, when the when the bridge would be out and the train just yes. rides right off the end of the cliff and just <laughs> pizzas on that thing, just pumping more coal into it, riding <laughs> that Antonio Gibson train. Not even trying to stop or pull on the brakes. All right, for McLaurin, it's 14 catches through four weeks. That comes out to a number of three and a half. Is that what we said it at? Because it sounds ridiculous to put it that low for freaking Terry McLaurin, but that's all he's been getting. It's it's the perfect number to put it. Does it go here? I mean, here's the question: Does it go up or down based on Dotson being out? Like, will he draw that much more coverage, or will Carson have to throw it to him? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw. I'm sure you did because we're on Twitter all the time. That open yards stat that's now floating around that says. Terry, Jahan, and Curtis are in the bottom 10 of receivers when it comes to generating open space. You know, I don't, I'm not blaming much of this on Terry. I think it's been Carson, the offense overall, and Scott Turner's play calling that isn't allowing him to get open because I doubt the guy who's lauded for his route running all of a sudden is just unable to get any separation. But it is intriguing to think that maybe there's something going on where he's not being able to shake free. Regardless, without Dotson and with all the madness that the masses have about McLaurin's lack of involvement. I'll have to go over three and a half and I'll lead the riots if it doesn't come through. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we talk about zigging and zagging when the, when the world zigs, we want to zag. The fact that he's only at three and a half catches is bananas. I can't believe that he's not going to see more targets since John Dodson's out, especially on those quick throws. It's got to go. It has to go over three and a half. It has to. It has to. <laughs> I mean, it has to. Over. It, it absolutely has to. I don't know. <laughs> it, but somehow I'm finding myself taking the commanders and betting over on Terry. So I know. He got mad at us for not learning anything last week. Now look at you. Last week, I nailed it, though, which makes me maybe feel a little better about this week. I knew they were going to lose last week. I felt it in my bones. The Titans have a terrible habit of blowing teams they should beat. Like, throughout the Vrabel era. Last year, they lost to the Jets at home, I think. Like, like this is a thing for them. They, along with the Commanders, have seeded the most passing touchdowns in the sport of football. So, it could be two very bad secondaries getting together. All right, final thing. Benji bet I'm going Titans 21 Commanders, 17, one and four. This sucks. I got Titans, 19, Commanders, 16. Commanders, 22, Titans, 20. And Joey Sly kicks a bomb longer than whoever the other kicker is. No! <laughs> Oh, man. I'll be happy for Joey overall. That'd be great. 
All right, shall we get to Scotty T and JP? Yeah, let's do it. Great interview, great get. And here's a person you want to hear from in Scott Turner. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Scott Turner, Commander's Offense Coordinator. I appreciate you sitting down with me at a time where I imagine you're a little frustrated. How, how tough have these last two weeks been for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of frustration. I mean, obviously, you know, we've lost three games in a row. Um, the last two weeks in particular, you know, have been tough. I feel like... Um, in particular, this last game against Dallas, you know, we had a couple of plays, we, you know, we were running the ball, um, and then it really comes down to the negative plays, you know, and we've had too many negative plays um, that have really killed drives. I and mean, we had seven penalties um, last game. They took place on five different possessions, you know, in those five possessions, we punted four times and kicked a field goal where we were in the red zone. And, you know, against anybody in this league, if, if you do that, you're wasting possessions and, and you're going to you know, really kill your, your chance to win, win games, I mean, score points and win games. You've gone up against two of the better defenses in the NFL the last two weeks. Just so happens they're division games, so you're going to have to see them again. Try to help me understand kind of the, 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 the chicken and egg, the, the nature of a quarterback and an offensive line, how, how those two can help one another or at times they can hurt one another. I think um, it goes further than just the you know the line um, and the quarterback. I mean, you got to get the receivers involved, the tight ends, um, and and the the backs. I mean, I've talked about this. You know, pass protection is a is a full offensive deal. I mean, the receivers have to run their routes correctly at the right depth. Quarterback has to get the ball out of his hand, and then obviously the the part that everyone knows and talks about. You know, we got to block them. You know, and I think we can improve um, in all those areas. You know, I think um, all guy, our guys will be the first one to tell uh, tell you that. You know, we can we can block guys better up front. Quarterback will tell you he can get the ball out faster. And then um, just making sure that we're on the same page, um, you know, with the guys that are that are catching the passes, uh, tight ends and uh, and backs have a big part in protection as well, both blocking or when they're out on routes. Um, I can make sure I'm doing a good job of getting us in uh, proper correct protections and then also um, routes where the ball the ball can come out. You know, there's going to be times we're going to take shots down the field, but we also got to do the things where the ball comes out quickly as well and it's 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 a full team effort and we all have to do our part better um, than what we've been doing uh, in order to get, to be successful getting the ball out quick with Carson has not always been a strength just historically over his career is there is there a situation where you guys are watching tape and you try to point out schematically like hey the, you know the primary read might be in the flat and you're looking down the field at the secondary read first. Can you have those types of conversations? Does that exist? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always things like that that happen. Um, sometimes it's the opposite where, you know, you know Carson, you know, he's a confident guy, and we might have something down the field, um, and he feel like it's about to come open where, you know, maybe it'll be time to move, to move on. You know what I mean? Um, or something will break down, you know, as you're right about to throw it. You know what I mean? And that's, you know... You know he's running the play uh, as it's designed. So, you know there's a lot um, there's a lot of those things. I mean we, we look at everything. Um, you know and like I said, I mean myself included, everyone's had their their hand in in, in some of those negative plays. Week one, you guys come out firing. Uh, the second half in Detroit, the, the offense shows the explosive side. 
how do you how do you balance encouragement? Hey, we can we know we can do this. We've done it with perhaps the uh, the, the needed criticism to, to point out specific mistakes. Yeah, I think what we always have done um, in our philosophy here has always just been being honest. You know, and we we uh, we look at every play um, and. We talk about you know what needs to be done on that play for it to be successful, or what was done on that play that made it successful. And and it's not you know it's it's never personal. It's always just hey, this is what happened. We need to do this better in order for the play to work. Or sometimes it's hey guys, I could have put you guys in a better situation here. You know I'll make an adjustment going you know going forward. Uh, but it's always just that honesty, and that's what um, that's what these guys appreciate. They appreciate because it's on the film, and they see. You know, they see what happened, um, and just that you know we got a really good group of guys that are accountable, um, and they want they want to be good. And when you look at stuff that we've had, you know, some of the drives we've had in the drives we had in Jacksonville, some of the, the plays in Detroit, um, some of the you know plays in other games, even though obviously it, it wasn't you know we didn't have as good over the last two weeks, but there were some good moments or some plays where man these plays really came out. You know, they see it and they see and they know what they're capable of, and that's why they work you know work hard to be better and everyone you know wants to be good and you have times where you know it's hard to admit it but our, our guys are, are really good at being accountable and and understanding you know what it takes to be a really good offense how do you internalize some of that how, how do you look at the film and, and see where you and the staff need to be better or maybe go different directions yeah for sure I mean there's always something where it, you know we felt like um you know maybe we were going to get something and we got a lot of something else and we got to recognize it faster and um, being able to, you know, being able to get to different plays or put, put our guys in situations, like I said, where some, maybe get some plays where Carson is able to get the ball a little bit, uh, a little bit faster when you know when the pass rush is happening or, um, you know, helping certain guys in, in matchups. You know, there's always stuff like that, and 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 I, you know, I try to be my my toughest critic of, you know, am I really helping these guys? You know, putting them in the best best place they can be to be successful. Injury bug hasn't helped, especially on the offensive line. Um, now Cosby looks like he could miss some time going with Cornelius Lucas. How big of an impact is it when you, through five games, are going to have five different offensive lines? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the NFL, and guys get hurt, and you always got to be in adjust. And, and, you know, the old expression, nobody cares. You know, no, the, the Titans aren't going to feel sorry for us. You know, so our guys got to get ready to play. They're pros. Uh, in this instance, Big Luke, I mean, he's played a lot of football for us. Um, I'm really confident in him and his ability to come in and play, um, but that's our job, you know, as coaches. We got to get guys ready to play, and that's the the players' jobs. I mean, they're they're here. They're, if you're a backup player, whether you're a backup or a starter, you're here to play, and eventually you're going to have to play or get to play, and you got to make the most of your opportunity. And that's what we we count on our guys, you know, to do. And yeah, I understand what you're saying that you know, the maybe a center hasn't played with the guards, but we got to use the practice time, the meeting time, the walkthrough. To get caught up as fast as we can because I mean Sunday at one o'clock they're kicking the ball off and we got to be ready to go. Do you have to change anything you do as the injuries start to mount? Yeah, I mean you you always look at the, you know look at your matchups you know what I mean and then kind of think you know where do we need help who do we need to account for specifically on the other team's defense um, you know where are some issues where are the issues we have so at any time no matter who's in the lineup you know those are assessments that we we make on a week to week basis. I spoke with Ron earlier this week about kind of his frustrations and where the season is already, and, and he said, you know, if we don't see things get better, we might have to make changes. None of that stuff's necessarily your call, but 
I do think there could be a, a good change coming your way, and that's Brian Robinson getting back on the field. How much can the rookie help you now, and, and how much do you think his role could grow? Uh, I think B-Rob, I think uh, obviously just on a personal level, everyone's it's incredible. incredibly excited to have B-Rob back. Um, you, know, you know, just getting to know him um, since he's been here. He's an you know, outstanding young man. Um, and he's a very good football player, and he brings that physical presence inside. Um, you know, we saw him in the preseason. Uh, I think in, in all through training camp, um, I think you know he'll bring a lift to the guys and to the team, and, and be a guy that can you know carry the ball and you know put in, inside and outside, and you know do all the things that you want you know a back a back to do. And he'll definitely help uh, when he comes back. I know you're really busy. Thank you for making the time. I know you got like eight meetings to get to. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks. And a few of these other critical issues will always be present for as long as we live. 